Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Messier. I'm here with Mike Bunt, and it's time for training camp. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into the AFC in general. Talked about the AFC East last episode, so tune into last episode where we break down our predictions, what Mike thinks about uh, the division, what I think about the division, players, you know, where the Bills are, sh- their strengths uh, against the AFC East and their roster in general. Today we're going to talk about countdown to training camp mixed in with the AFC talk, where this roster ranks, where we think it ranks as um, not only training camps coming up, but a first preseason game is just around the corner. It's really not that far away for when they're actually playing football. Uh, and we'll see does Josh, what games did Josh Allen play? Does he play one series? Getting to get a little bit into that and more. But first, Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin. We're eight days away from Bill's training camp. It gets real in about a week. The rookies reporting today. I can't wait to to get to St. John Fisher a little over a week from now, watch some football, and finally be talking about some of these uh, positional battles going on. And also, thank God DeAndre Hopkins' watch is finally over. and We don't need to talk about, is he going to consider Buffalo, or is he going to go to KC, New England, Tennessee? Is he going to go for a winner? Is he going to take the money? I think you and I always thought the money was going to be the higher of the two priorities. We ended up being correct, but thank God that's all over with. Yeah, I mean, look, we don't have to talk about it anymore. It looks like two for 26. Um, you know, I, I think is a tick more than I thought he'd get at this stage. It's a little bit less than OBJ, you know, not incredibly lower. Um, OBJ's deal is truly a one-year deal. Hopkins has a lot a lot more flexibility in his deal. Uh, once I see exactly how it's broken down, I'll, I'll dissect into it more maybe as the offseason goes. Just curious uh, as the offseason goes on, Mike. But it starts off with the roster discussion as we go into camp. We saw a September deal for Dawson Knox last year. Do you see, do you think the Ed Oliver extension is the only one that stands? Or do you, like I tweeted early, do you think that a Gabe Davis deal gets done in late August, early September, kind of kick off to the season before maybe now that you know he's the receiver too, before he prices himself out in Tremaine Edmonds fashion? Did the Bills learn from the situation with Tremaine Edmonds? Or are they going to double down in the situation and hope that he comes in less uh, that, you know, kind of the bank that they made on Tremaine Edmonds? Or do you see that, 
the main focus right now may might be after Tyler Bass's extension might be on uh, Gabe Davis. What's your opinion on, on that now that you know that money that maybe they were thinking about spending on Hopkins can be utilized elsewhere? Yeah, I certainly think it's a possibility. You and I have been speculating going back two, three months that we thought that the Bills were looking to try to extend them. A lot of that before all the DeAndre Hopkins watch was going on with those rumors uh, swirling around. Now that that's over with, I I do expect to see some clarity going forward. If I'm the Bills, I'm trying to get something done now with Gabe Davis. I think he's primed to have a strong season with this offense, the way everything is situated at the current moment. You look at the numbers he put up last year, even with the drops, the the ankle sprain, and some of the limitations, if you factor in all that stuff, he should still be around those same numbers, if not better uh, this season. So if I'm the Bills, I'm trying to get him to uh, an extension now where you can maybe save a few million bucks uh, rather than wait and see what happens to his value next year and then put yourself in a situation where you either have to pay him the big money or then go towards the draft or some other way uh, of replacing him. I don't think Gabe will be a crazy number amount at the current moment. Now, I he, maybe he's going to he bank on himself and say, well, I'm, I'm deserving of 15 plus million dollars a year. But I really do think the Bills can get it done for less than that uh, amount at the current moment yeah i mean all we can do is bring up his spot track projected values i know the bills have been getting players for less than their projected values that's a brandon Bean special we saw with damon harris i'll rap uh leonard floyd we've seen it across puna ford we've seen it across the league that the bills are, are signing players that are under their spot track market value and spot track's not perfect they, they they swing and miss a lot but they do try to use comp deals based on their statistical probabilities in years past their statistical numbers so for me it's a matter of can he uh over exceed those statistical probabilities that he, you know, you know, I'm hoping he does. So his similar comparisons, $12.4 million, four years for 49 million. I don't think that that's far off. I think the bills could probably get it a tick lower, but I ultimately, I think that that's fairly accurate. And I don't think you can sit there and be like, Oh, that's egregious either way. I think that that's fairly accurate. You look at the Christian Kirk deal, one of the one deal, bringing it up. The other couple examples should be examples that would bring it down. Uh, You know, but, you know, Michael Gallup got about 11 per year is about what I'm expecting. Russell Gage's deal three for 30 at the time is actually statistically very uh, common. Michael Gallup's deal, Hunter Renfro's deal is actually uh, fairly similar, but he got 16 million per. Um, and then you have Alan Lazard's uh, deal as well. So there's definitely some statistical um, analysis that says he should be between 10 and 13, Mike. I think the bills are probably coming in, trying to come in more around that 10 number. Um, if we're, you know, totally being fair nine to 10. It's kind of like Milan. It's like kind of what they do. Um, and if they can kind of maybe increase it a little bit and games willing to, to take less, I think that something could get done, but I'm thinking that that three for 30 deal that uh, Russell Gage signed is at 26 years old, very similar as much to where uh, they'd like to be with Gabe. And, and a lot of, believe it or not, like um, game played percentage is on par reception uh, targets per game is on par receptions uh, per game is on par yards per game. Russell Gage actually had more before his extension. Um, the touchdowns, obviously something that Gabe excels in. He's higher than most people in general, not even just his comparables uh, with that statistic. But Gage had a bigger yak, um, actually similar drop percentage. Uh, so 
they're very similar deals. And like, I really, you know, you know, signed a, a little while ago, a couple of years ago. So it might be outdated. So that's really where I bump it up to the Alan Lazard deal. Uh, and that's really one where, where I, I figure like, Hey, receiver two going to, a, a you know, now having a, a top quarterback. Uh, there's, there's a lot of similarities there with Alan Lazard and his playing style, 788 yards and six touchdowns, 13.1 yards average, uh, just raw statistically uh, is a very similar deal that I do believe the bills are probably uh, targeting when it comes to Gabriel Davis. Um, so that's four for 44 is what he got. I would imagine the bills would be okay with that. They'd probably want more of that four for 40. Um, but you know, uh, he's going to say like, look, you can't even give me Alan Lazard money. So I think that that's something to keep track of Mike. And would you be comfortable with him in that range we're talking about here? Do you want him for less? Absolutely. Okay. So you're Absolutely. comfortable. I, I'm fine. If you go up to around 13 million a year. Okay. I, I don't think he, you need to get to that point, but if that's yeah. what it takes to close him, I'm not going to be upset with that because I really do think Gabe Davis is a guy given his early production with the bills that could be potentially a 1000 yard receiver in his future, or a guy that could be eight, nine touchdowns in a season uh, in the future, not saying that, that it's a guarantee, but you, you look at the progression from his career already, where you go from being a fourth round pick to uh, you're in around 35 receptions, your first two years each, um, where you're getting around seven touchdowns. You have the monster playoff game uh, against the Chiefs. Everybody remembers over 200 yards, four touchdowns. We all remember the Colts playoff game where he was doing um, the toe-tapping toe drill on the sidelines, uh, making big plays in that playoff game. So he does have the ability to elevate his game to another level at important times. And because of that, that's why there was so much disappointment last year when he didn't really – meet the the high expectations of the fan base that wanted a thousand yards wanted maybe the eight nine ten touchdowns but because of that we we sometimes have a tendency to overreact the other way and kill a guy that still had nearly 50 receptions over 830 yards uh seven touchdowns he was 15th tied for 15th in touchdowns for um receptions and you were talking about one of the better number two receivers in the league. Now I know there's some data out there that shows uh, his route tree was limited and that he doesn't run certain things great, but that's also stuff that's within the design of the bills offense. When you're having him run um, moderate length routes and you're having his average depth of target be more downfield, you are limiting um, his reception numbers because he is getting more contested uh, throws and more difficult uh, reception uh, opportunities in front of him so there's a lot of receivers that benefit off of the short passing game uh, I know that's not Gabe Davis's go-to but he doesn't really get those freebies like many other uh, number two receivers might get in the league so I'm cool with anywhere from 10 to 13 million uh, obviously would prefer to be closer to 10 than 13 but uh, if the Bills and Davis can find something within that range I am totally on board Kevin for sure, Mike. Um, smash that like button. Appreciate you, Seth. Uh, definitely really key to help us bring um, great content all season long. Next week, uh, it's going to be great. Have people from all of our cover one. Assistant in the branding, Mike. So it's going to be, um, it's definitely going to be a fun and great opportunity uh, to get together as a unit. Um, 
anyways, Mike, so tell me a little bit about your opinion on how this offensive roster uh, looks. So I, I, I like it. Uh, the, to me, this is an upgraded offense. We talked about our positional uh, expectations as an upgrade. Is it a downgrade? We talked about that about a month ago. But uh, overall, this offense looks solid. I think running back, you can make an argument. Maybe it's a slight downgrade because Devin Singletary's no longer in the room. But I do like the versatility uh, of our RB room uh, going forward with guys like Latavius Murray, uh, Damian Harris, and Hines to go with James Cook. Tight end, obviously a huge upgrade. You already have one of the top 10 guys. And then you add uh, Dalton Kincaid to the mix, which is definitely exciting as well. I hope you're still here, Kevin. Uh, I know we don't have uh, your your video anymore going forward. but um, And then the wide receiver room. I, I love the competition. I, I, bringing in Hardy, you still have Trent Sherfield now into the mix uh, to go with Davis. Uh, and digs and the offensive line battles at left guard, right guard, and some of the depth at right tackle. So I, I like this offense, but I definitely want to get into some of the, the positional battles because there are some battles uh, that will be going on in training camp with this unit. Kevin, do we, we still have you? You do, Mike. Um, what was now, going on there, man? <laughs> no, nothing. Um, so if you, the biggest battle for me, I think going into this is right guard. So I think that right guard is a decent opportunity that I don't think Osiris Torrance is just given this right guard job. I think that he'll take it at some point. Um, but I don't think that right guard is just a shoe in for being Osiris Torrance. That's the one note that I had here that I think that Ryan Bates could sneakily start. Mike, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I think Ryan Bates definitely has an opportunity to start. It's a, it's going to be a battle. Uh, you have a second rounder coming in. He's definitely going to want to compete for the position. Now, are the Bills going to give him some time and uh, to learn behind Bates, or are they going to um, have a competition? We'll see. If, if I'm looking at the offense right now, the, the positional battles that I uh, see in front of me are wide receiver three. Who's going to be the third wide out behind Diggs and Gabe Davis. Is it going to be Hardy? Uh, is Does Khalil Shakir get an opportunity to step up into a more prominent role? Does Trent Sherfield enter that battle uh, based on what he did last year with the Dolphins? Left guard, right guard. I go into training camp thinking that we're at least going to see somewhat uh, of a competition in both of those. I know Connor McGovern is the assumed, presumed starter uh, at left guard, but we can't forget that David Edwards does have plenty of starting experience with the Rams and he's probably not coming into Buffalo with the expectation of just handing the job over to McGovern at right guard. You would think based on last year that Bates would be the guy, but Osiris Torrance, Kev, like we said, we thought he could have gone late first round for a guy like that to, to fall to the bills in the fifties. He, he definitely has to at least have a chance if he looks like he, uh, fits the part early in training camp. Uh, obviously, if he if he looks horrible early on, you you can just go with Bates and not worry about it. But uh, I definitely want to see how he's looking, at least through uh, the early part of the preseason, and see if he's deserving of uh, being in a competition with Bates. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting discussion point. And like you said, David Edwards is a good talk as well. Coming over from a Super Bowl winning team at the time, I didn't have the world's best season last year. So I think the guard spot's a pretty 
interesting battle as we approach training camp. That's one that I, I just have my eye on. Um, will he be gifted the job in Osiris Torrance? I don't think that that's true. I don't know that he's just gifted the job. I think the team really likes Bates. Um, so it's going to, I don't know, a second round pick, middle to late second round, really late, late second round pick. Does that person just get to walk in with the culture that Sean McDermott drives? I think that's an underrated talking point that we're just assuming he starts day one right guard. I don't think that that's necessarily true, Mike. Um, so I think that the way that McDermott likes it, I definitely don't think you'll see it early on. Now, does he end up winning it come week one? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's possible. But I definitely don't think you see him uh, take the job in the, with, the, with the ones uh, for the majority of August. I think that it'll be one of those earn it type of positions uh, when it comes to the guard spot there for, for Osiris Torrance. And then Spencer Brown, much talked about. Um, Spencer Brown is in a battle with, with Shell. I mean, a guy coming over from Miami with a lot of starting experience. Where does David Quisenberry fit in this mixture? So there's a lot to think about when it comes to the offensive line. There's a lot of new pieces. And I don't think that anybody has the best idea how it could turn out. We all have our guesses, but as terms of who's going to make it the nine or 10 players, as well as who's going to start with the five, we, we, we think we know, but I think we could be shocked come middle of August of how it could turn out. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin. I, I, I think if you went into camp, the, the presumed starters on the line, obviously you have Deanne Dawkins left tackle. You got more set center. That's easy. Uh, Spencer Brown, right tackle should be there unless he really looks horrendous. Uh, in camp it's McGovern I think his left guard is what most people are presuming at this point and then the only real one that people I think are questioning a bunch is is Bates and, and Torrance so I I think during the draft a lot of us thought Torrance would have a chance to, to win it we'll, we'll see how that plays out um, either way I think this line has improved uh, from what we saw last year Saffold was uh, a huge liability was one of the worst guards uh, in the league last year, which was unfortunate because the bills brought him in for an upgrade, which just shows like you can, you can bring in these guys and they don't have to necessarily live up to you, to your expectations of what uh, you think you're getting from them on paper. This line looks pretty good outside of right tackle, at least from a pass protecting uh, standpoint. Uh, how is Spencer Brown going to, acclimate we were hearing stuff that he feels better than he has in three years since he was at northern iowa uh, so hopefully that's a, a positive sign for him going forward and like we said they do have some insurance options in quesenberry and brandon shell if brown does continue to struggle so uh, i think the one of the biggest things from this bill's offseason was they wanted to have depth at Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Looking for health insurance coverage? Medical Mutual's individual and family health plans have you covered with $0 select preventive drugs, $0 on-demand telemedicine, a wellness rewards program, and access to thousands of health care providers located throughout Ohio. 
Plus, most plans include MedMutual Pet, a pet wellness service at no additional cost. You also may qualify for subsidies that can be used to help pay your monthly premium. Visit MedMutual.com slash EnrollACA to find a plan today. Almost every position. They, they didn't want what happened last year to impact them once again this year. And that is when you go through a mass amount of injuries, let that derail your season. And granted, they still went 13-3, and three, won a playoff game. But it really did derail them when you got to that Cincinnati game. And they had nothing left in their tank uh, with as far as who they had out there and what they could bring to the table. You, you look at right tackle. Is Shell even that much worse than what Spencer Brown has been in the last couple of years? Probably not. On, on paper, based on the metrics, they're, they're, they're comparable. Now, I'm a believer in, Brett, in Spencer Brown's upside, so I definitely want him to earn the position and keep the, the role because if he doesn't, that means we're not going to get solid production out of our right tackle this year. When you look at Torrance versus Bates, I think either way you're going to get something pretty average, pretty – I mean, nothing great, nothing horrible. Left guard, that's going to be one of the questions. Connor McGovern, we know he is a good blocker. Uh, not a, in the pass game. Pass protection, very solid. Run game, though, a little bit of a liability. David Edwards, though, you can, you do do, uh, you get a little bit better in the, the run blocking. So it's going to be interesting how this line molds uh, together, builds that continuity, and then – um, when you are looking at the other stuff we were talking about, I am really intrigued, Kev, with this wide receiver three battle, just because when you're talking about the names like Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, you're not talking about known commodities uh, in the league. You're talking about guys that have have been around and, and really haven't produced at a super high level. Now, I, I know it's Dawson Kincaid is going to be the slot. He's going to be the one receiving uh the majority of uh, the the looks uh, early on in the season, but is Deontay Hardy a guy that can step up and and be a an impact player? Will he be like Isaiah McKenzie, maybe even better, uh, a guy that can get you thirty five to forty five catches and maybe five hundred six hundred yards? Or does Trent Sherfield end up being that guy, uh, winning the job based on his experience and what he can bring to the offense? Well, that is one battle I do want to talk about because depending on who you talk about, there's Khalil Shakir truthers, there's uh, Deontay Hardy fans, there's Trent Sherfield fans. I know it's a lot of talk for wide receiver number three and probably the the fourth or fifth receiving target on the team, uh, depending on what they do with Knox and Kincaid. But that is an interesting uh, battle that could be shaping up uh, in camp in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, good question by Paul. Do you think the chemistry could be an issue early on with all these new pieces to the O-line? Yes, I think that could be. But at the same time, you may have as many as four returning starters, depending on how it all plays out, um, especially if Bates wins a job to, uh, either spot, I guess. So you could have as many as four returning starters, replacing Roger Saffold, who was your weakest link. So I think when you have three or more, you're okay. When you start to get into some teams turn over the entire O-line or there's only one or two remaining – that can get into an issue. But I think with the three plus, I think you're in good shape, but especially as you add four uh, and the same old line coach, I'm not as worried about the continuity there in chemistry with the players, especially the tackles are going to be the same. The center is going to be the same almost for sure. And then, you know, you may have some guard movement, both of them, one of them, or, or I, I mean, it's going to be at least one, uh, I would assume, but it could be both of the guards 
that are uh, that are affected. So I don't overly see it, especially because you're going to be next to somebody who has been in this offensive line uh, many years uh, for at least many years. You know, in, in most of their cases, they've all been here multiple years. So I don't necessarily see any chemistry problems with the offensive line. I only think it's going to be an upgrade. Offensive line is good as its weakest link. And last year it was weak with Roger Saffold and, and at times Spencer Brown. Um, so I think that that definitely could be uh, a major issue if they don't, if he doesn't rebound. But I do believe that there's many theories within the locker room that Spencer Brown is back and he looks good and he's off that back injury. By all accounts, from what I was told, he shouldn't have been playing last year. So I'm not exactly sure what the philosophy was with 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 wanting him to play. Maybe they wanted him to get experience anyways. I'm not exactly sure what the decision was for him to play. Maybe they realized he couldn't hurt it more and he was willing to play, but uh, he did fight through it and probably shouldn't have played Mike with the amount of um, pregame medicine. I think the, I think the thought process was we don't really have much behind him, uh, which you did bring in Quesenberry to be uh, yeah. an upgrade at your depth, but they must have not have felt that way once the season got underway, but they did bring Quesenberry back. So uh, I, I do kind of agree with spinning here too, that Saffold was uh, specialized in run blocking, not pass blocking, focused on the wrong thing. And now he's correcting it by bringing in uh, McGovern, who is the opposite, better at pass protection than run blocking. That That's spot on uh, to me with what spin said there. And when you think about it, Saffold was so awful last year. Really, you, you bring in even someone that's not good, and it's still probably at least equal to what you had. Instead, you bring in someone that, uh, by all intents and purposes, is at least average uh, at left guard uh, in Connor McGovern. So I do think that's an upgrade, even if it's not a massive upgrade. It is someone that uh, will help you out in pass protection, which when you're a team like the Bills that goes through the air as much as they do, that's the that's the priority. Uh, McGovern's uh, run-blocking metrics they're they're not good his grades on pff are are near the bottom in the, in that regard so um, don't expect the bills to be following mcgovern to wide open holes uh, in the run game but uh, as far as giving josh the time he needs in the pocket uh, you you probably helped yourself out in that area and then right guard like we said uh, that's going to be the one area if bates doesn't win the job you might have some questions with an osiris torrance lining up next to a Spencer Brown would starting a rookie right guard next to what some people would consider the biggest liability going into your season on your offensive line at right tackle and Spencer Brown, is that the smartest approach to open a year? So if you look at it from that angle, maybe that gives Ryan Bates a little bit of an advantage going to camp plus uh, his years of experience um, already starting on this team. Uh, so I, I think we're looking at really uh, a line that that's going to have four returning starters uh, yeah. on it with left guard being the, the main change, but we'll see right guard is one of the whole, we, I think we know what we're going to see, but it's not a locked in uh, result. As you said, sometimes camp things just happen and you, you end up starting opening day with a completely different look than what you might've thought. Yeah, one injury, you know, maybe one of the tackles does get hurt. I mean, injuries aside, you would think four could be starting. I mean, I think we've written off Bates too quickly. Um, and why not use Osiris Torrance if one of those players get hurt or if they're ineffective or many different reasons. But we'll have to see how it or if, 
you know, because Bates is your primary backup, left guard and center. So who knows? That's the interesting be. case because, like, yeah. if Morse goes down, well, does Bates move to yeah uh, center, and then you have Torrance start at right guard? Yes. So yeah, like, there's there's injuries that can change how this this plays, and and obviously we have to see how these guys all come together in camp as well. So I, I like this unit. I don't think they're going to be the liability that they were last year. Obviously, it was a big time struggle in 2022, and. Josh took a lot of hits and uh, a lot of pressures as a result. I I think it's going to be better this year, Kev. A, a lot is uh, still unknown, but Spencer Brown needs to take that next step. Otherwise, he's not going to have a hold on that right tackle position for that much longer. Uh, there's only so many so, so much time uh, and opportunities you can give to a third-round pick from a small uh, FCS-type school that hasn't earned the reps. Right now – He's gotten the reps based on his athletic profile, on his draft position, and his potential and upside. But at some point in time, the Bills are going to have to see more than that from Spencer Brown to justify him to continue being the starting right tackle. Yeah, and Diggs and Davis are one and two. Rodgers over three could be by committee. Sure, absolutely. And that also leads into the chemistry of really only maybe just right guard, maybe left guard being the only positions that aren't the same from last year. Uh, more or less, you know, because slot could be one, I guess, by Sherfield or I guess Kincaid, um, but it uh, could still be, you know, I guess Khalil Shakir could take it. I mean, there's still options of players who are on this roster last year could step up and and inherit that uh, slot position. Let's talk Dawson about that. Returning. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Where where do you stand? Because I, I know this conversation isn't really the most important one because Kincaid is the presumed number three offensive weapon target guy. So if we just called Dalton Kincaid a wide receiver, we would pencil him in as wide receiver three and your slot receiver right away. But since he is a tight end uh, and that's what he's going to be labeled, people are going to have this conversation for wide receiver three, even though it's not the traditional wide receiver three that the Bills would have. Which direction do you think is the most favorable heading into camp? Do you think there will be uh, a solid number three guy or is it a committee? uh, And each guy, could they have slightly different roles? It's interesting because I'm leaning towards slightly different roles. I don't know that it's going to be an every down starter slash slot receiver, like, um, like Cole Beasley and Dalton Kikay, but I could be proven wrong here in just a few weeks. Um, I don't know that that's the way it's going to go. I do think they're going to find, um, you know, plays for Deontay Hardy in the slot and in the boundary, um, you kind of replacing guys when they need to blow in both spots. I think you're obviously, you know, I'm high on Sherfield. A couple other people are, I think that he does uh, blocks really well. He does a lot of things you're looking for out of the slot has good routes. is speedy was a good supplement did beat out a really overpriced and expensive Cedric Wilson in Miami. I was able to, to beat out his competition there. So I think that, and then he plays four phases of special teams on a side note, but I think that he's a very interesting player. That's going to get snaps. I don't know how many yet, but he's going to get snaps. And then you have Khalil Shakir. Everybody's favorite can play a lot of different, you know, unit uh, positions and, and receiver pos- uh, 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 formations as well. So you're going to have a different formation for everybody um, in general. So that's what I have to, uh, that's what I think about that, Mike, is that I think that you're going to get a, a gamut of different players. And then obviously the continuity of Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis is only going to help that slot position, um, you know, work out. Yeah. I, I find it interesting. I, I will say this. I, I do think 
maybe there is something to they'll attack it by committee early on. But I am very high on Deontay Hardy. I think the Bills brought him in to add another dimension to this offense. I'm not saying he's going to be a 50-60 catch guy who's going to be a high-impact player, but I do think he's being brought in to be uh, a 30-plus reception guy uh, who can add more speed, that can bring you more versatility. He can do the gadget things that Isaiah McKenzie used to do for this offense before he became the slot guy. Uh, He can go outside and and run uh, a decent route tree. He has explosiveness with the ball. The one thing that with with McKenzie that always kind of bothered me a little bit was he had the straight line speed and he had the quickness, but he didn't really have the ability to uh, to move around, he, his agility, his side-by-side approach, you could get a finger on him and he's going down. And it, it, it kind of limited the Bills in the past game. I think with Deontay Hardy, you can open things up a little bit more. You, you look at his numbers a couple years ago with New Orleans, where he had nearly 600 yards. It was averaging nearly 16 yards per reception. And he did that in, I think, 12 games. So, like, you do that over 12, 13 games, you do that over the course of a full season. He had a chance to be – he could have been a 700-plus yard guy. And last year, obviously, was dealing with a foot injury that limited him. But the Bills gave him a contract that was more than double what Isaiah McKenzie was getting paid last year. To me, that tells me they think that this guy has a, a definite role in this offense. Now, it'll be interesting because, like you said, he's not necessarily a slack guy. So he can – bring different things to the table. You could have him on the field when Kincaid is your slot guy. Um, and the, you could you can move him around. Now, I still think there's hope for Khalil Shakir, too. Uh, obviously, a fifth-round pick last year. You didn't see much of the regular season, but they did start using him in the playoffs. And some of his separator numbers were pretty solid at some point. So I think the true battle isn't whether Deontay Hardy is battling – uh, Khalil Shakir or uh, Sharon Sherfield for the three spot. I, I think regardless of what happens in camp, Deontay Hardy has a role or a niche carved out on this offense. I think the battle is Khalil Shakir versus Trent Sherfield for one of the final receiver roles for who's going to actually be on the field. Who's actually going to have a chance to contribute and all things equal. I think Khalil Shakir should have the advantage because you invested a fifth-round pick in him uh, a year ago, and you have him on a rookie contract uh, where you're paying him relatively cheap amount of money. So Sherfield, to me, is insurance for Khalil Shakir. If Shakir doesn't take that step forward this year, and you feel like you still need another developmental year for him. Yeah, so to bring some some statistics to Hardy to kind of couple your point, uh, he's played 41% in the slot, 55.8% out wide. Uh, so he actually has significantly more 235 snaps at the boundary receiver position, kind of like you see at Tariq Hill is the idea there. His yak ability is very strong, uh, 484 career yak, um, you know, yards after catch, 6.6 additional yards, y- uh, yards per route ran at 2.28, which is what the statistics were that the Bills really liked. They liked his his A dot is 7.8. So there's a lot of t- 2021. He was actually really good. Most people don't realize like he still played a fairly limited role, but he was a really good receiver. And if he would have kept that up, he would have been one of those 
those sneaky guys that got paid this season, uh, like a Christian Kirk or whatever, because he was on, that's why he got his contract. I mean, he was on pace to get a, a fairly decent contract then, and obviously, uh, you know, went out really early in the year last year. Uh, so it's going to be very, very telling to see where they, they use him. But I think they've already labeled him a receiver for they want him inside and outside because his, his body of work says that he can do both, uh, you know, 173 uh, snaps from the slot. So we'll ha- remains to be seen, which is fairly limited remains to be seen how he does in the slot because we actually have more evidence how good he is out wide. And a lot of his wide uh, advanced analytics uh, really popped to me and the yards per route ran at 2.69. That's how many yards he was getting every time he ran a route factoring in drops and completions going somewhere else. Uh, that's, that's, that's a big number. Um, so that's a number that you're looking for from your gadget players and, or players, you know, that's, that's a number that sticks out to you in the community of a high end receiver one. So obviously as usage goes up and I'm not saying Hardy's usage will go up, but if it does, obviously his effectiveness would go down from that number. Just, just how anything works uh, in the NFL across, you know, any, you know, even in life, uh, as you use something more, you do something more and the effectiveness could go down. uh, But it's still maybe at a clip that's very useful. However, in, in a limited use, those are very good numbers and ones that I believe the bills probably clawed into when they, uh, decided early on in free agency, decided to give him a contract as one of their really, you know, before some of the big D line and, and other players, uh, he was one of the big guys that they went out and like, we want him on our roster. We're going to cut McKenzie for him. So uh, it was no coincidence that they looked at some of these statistics and see that he can bounce in and out, uh, maybe bounce in when someone needs a blow on the inside, bounce out when you're taking out Gabe Davis. Um, the flexibility that they're looking for from him would have been a healthy Deontay Hardy would have been someone very, very useful for this roster last year, uh, especially. And I think even Trent Sherfield would have helped it. And, you know, Des Dalton can K decide a couple of these receivers, the Bills could have utilized badly at times last year. Uh, as funny as that is to say, we're just talking about Hardy and Sherfield here, but they could have used them badly, especially at times late in the season when Gabe was a little banged up and they were getting a production from McKenzie and they're calling John Brown and uh, Cole Beasley back in uh, and others to try to get the job done. So the Bills offense a- a- as a whole, you're going to return the core of it. Uh, you're going to fill in some of the, the weaknesses at guard. We'll see what happens at tackle. Slot is definitely going to get an upgrade. You're going to get the depth of a receiver upgraded. Um, you know, now you have Khalil Shakir maybe in a receiver five role at the moment, receiver five, receiver six, but at any moment can pop and or win a job somewhere. So it is a much better unit. And then you have Shorter, who's going to be able to play, you know, pretty much. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Every, you know, he's a boundary receiver, but he's going to be able to play teams. He, he said he would. He'd take a jersey to do that on game day. So you're going to have a multitude of different players dressed 
Um, you know, you're probably going to have all six of them dressed most likely. And then obviously probably just have the two tight ends. I don't know if there's a roster spot um, for Quentin uh, Morris right now, Mike. I don't see it because of the versatility at the receiver role and then what Kincaid can do. And then obviously if Reggie Gilliam doing um, some versatile uh, offensive pieces, I don't know that I, s- I may see him making the roster. I definitely don't see him on an active game day without an injury to his receiver or one of the two tight ends. So uh, I, I think we'll see if they hold on to him. I definitely know they'd probably like him on the practice squad for sure. But I, th- what, do, what do you think? Do you think they use that final roster spot there? Or, or what do you I, think? I wouldn't rule against it. Kev, okay. I, I really, I, I don't think you can rule against it. Last year, they did they have a need for keeping Tommy Sweeney and Quinton Morris? No, that, no, no but they did anyway. So I, I still think there could be a chance Quinton Morris could could make this team. I really do. When you look at it, I, I don't want to even consider Dalton Kincaid a tight end this year, Kev. Uh, I know he still is. Uh, it's going to be considered 12 personnel when he's on the field. He can go in line and block once in a while. But I really do think they're going to, at least from the, the beginning of the year, primarily let him focus as being a receiver. That's To me, that's the easiest way to transition into the league. Do what you're best at. And that is go in the slot, run routes, catch the ball. Learn that part of the game first. It's hard for a lot of these tight ends to transition to the NFL because they're learning two things. They're basically learning to be a lineman uh, at the NFL level with blocking and uh, that side of the game. And then they're learning the route trees and the um, getting on the same page with Corbeck. What the Bills need more than another tight end on the line is a tight end that could be a threat in the passing game and in the slot. So I do think you still would want to have a primary backup to Dawson Knox on the line. Because if Dawson Knox goes down and you just decide to put Kincaid on the line, then you're taking away one of your threats in the slot and you're putting someone there that that's really not his strength at this point in time. So to me, I, I think it's still very important to have an inline tight end uh, in case something ever did happen to Knox. Now, if Kincaid goes down, you could replace his production by simply putting a receiver in the slot and addressing it that way. So I, I do think it's still going to be important to keep some tight ends on this team. And one thing I do want to add to the wide receiver conversation that we were saying, I look at Deontay Hardy as the biggest wild card on this offense. What he can bring from a matchup ability, yards after catch, um, and just some of the other things he he has um, can really make a, a true difference for this offense this year. Now we'll have to see if it, if it all comes to fruition or not, but if you're going to ask me who, among these wide receivers, that's not Diggs or Davis. Uh, who who could end up being a special player? It, it's Hardy. I, I know we had the little talk, Sherfield, Khalil Shakir, where do they line up? At, at the end of the day, I don't think Khalil Shakir or Sherfield are really making much of a difference uh, on this team. I know there was one comment that mentioned uh, from AJ. appreciate the, the comment that would give the, the advantage to – Sherfield right now because of his blocking over Khalil Shakir. I, I I guess that's a possibility. And then I don't think that's really going to make much of a difference. If Sherfield's on the field, you're talking about as the fourth wide receiver, how often are, is he going to be blocking in a situation that's going to make uh, a, I mean, like, I'm not saying like it, he won't do it, but 
how critical of a component is that going to end up being? I know we talk about uh, Sean McDermott and this coaching staff and how much they, they respect uh, the different fundamentals of the game. But when I look at this team, Sherfield's the, the fifth best receiver. So I'm not saying he, he won't earn a spot or beat out Khalil Shakir, but I want to see my young 20-something receiver get a spot over a 27-year-old who's on his third team in his career and hasn't been able to really earn a prominent role in five years in the NFL. We talk about how expectations work. We soured on McKenzie last year after having 40-plus catches. Trent Sherfield had 30 catches on an offense that had Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Theoretically, he should have had a lot more opportunities. And also, when we when we go deeper into it, Isaiah McKenzie has double the amount of catches that Trent Sherfield has his entire career. If we're even looking at Deontay Hardy versus Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy has done more uh, and he is at a younger age. So uh, I know that there's a lot of people enamored with the thought of Trent Sherfield. But we have to remember, this is this is a guy that has been primarily a depth person who outside of last year has averaged around nine to 10 catches a year in his NFL career. One thing to remember, though, it's not just I think it's a really good point, though, Mike. He's an elite blocker. He's not just a OK guy getting away. He's on Robert Woods' level of of blocking. Um, so I think that that's something to remember. 104 uh, zone blocking um, plays last year for um, Trent Sherford, 68 out of gap. So he blocked for uh, 201 plays last year. So, I mean, it, it's a significant amount. It isn't like he did pretty good in 40 snaps and, you know, had showed some flashes. He's an elite blocker out of the, out of, uh, out of the slot. And also most people don't realize like they, they think that his only uh, ability is slot. I don't know. That's I think where Brandon B may have said really early on, like in March, that might be where he's could win a job. It's only because he's not going to beat out Steph or Gabe uh, on the outside. However, he took don't we can't forget that he took uh, just as many snaps from from the boundary last year. So it's another boost uh, in, in in situation where you need him. And Kev, uh, where, I'm not going to say that he's not going to see the field. I'm just saying yeah. there's there's people that think he's going to be the number three wide receiver on this team. And my argument would be he's not going to be a more productive receiver from in the passing game than Deontay Hardy this year. And this is the way I look at it. You, we already have Diggs. You know he's going to get his 100 catches. He's going to get his 160 targets. If you think Davis, if Davis reduces the drops, he gets anywhere from 55-plus uh, mm-hmm. catches going forward. I think – you're, you're looking at Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. They're at least combining for close to 90 to 100, depending on that. I, I think Dawson Knox is going to be the guy that capitalizes the most off of having Kincaid on this team. I, I still believe Dawson Knox is going to be a 35 to 50 reception guy uh, on this team. And this could actually take some of the pressure off of him. James Cook is going to get around 40 receptions. If you assume that Deontay Hardy could be a 35 reception, 40 reception guy. I'm not saying all these guys will be exactly here because obviously you only have so many footballs to throw to throw around. But where where are the balls for Khalil Shakir or Trent Sherfield on on this offense? There there really is not that much. If you're if you're assuming that the two tight ends and three receivers are already ahead of you, you're talking about, and then you add James Cook. That's six players that are going to be ahead of. 
Sherfield and Khalil Secure, and as far as what should be targets. So how many targets do you have left if you're getting to your seventh person? Uh, on I think I think Judge broke it down, didn't he? I, I don't have the exact numbers, but he, I mean he he broke down uh, on average how many how many targets would be left, and it's a lot uh, from from players that they targeted last year. Um, and sure, they could all, I guess they could all go to Dalton Kincaid. Um, very possible Dalton Kincaid in a Hardy mixture. Um, but there are, there are significantly more targets available, and I think uh, you know I'll, I'll try to reference that one uh, at some point. I don't have it handy of Judge breaking down exactly how many. Um, there were there were, but I found it actually personally kind of eye opening, and that's where I started to to come around on the idea of if we only think if we're going to think modest numbers depends. If we think Kincaid's going for eighty, breaking records and breaking rookie records and doing something no one else has done, then there's a lot well, of. Let's, let's look it up. Let, let's make this even easier. We okay. can we can go straight to Pro Football Reference, and obviously yeah. they only played uh, sixteen games last year, so that's gonna. Yeah, other games worth of targets. Yep. Yeah, so you you lose probably like thirty. Um, just want to see if I can. Two, three, four, five, six. So if you go to targets on on the Bills last year, the number seven guy on the team in targets was Khalil Shakir with twenty. Right. Number and then then it's Jamison Crowder. So the the targets last year were one fifty four for Diggs, ninety three for Gabriel Davis, sixty five. Yep. For McKenzie, 65 for Knox, 52 for Singletary, okay. uh, then 32 for Cook. So you're already talking about down to 32 targets for your number six guy on the team. Now, Diggs is going to be in the 160 range. Davis is presumably going to still be at that around that 90 point. It, who takes over McKenzie's 65? I, I, I've been saying I think Deontay Hardy is going to get a lot of what McKenzie was. So, and then you add in Dalton Kincaid, even if you add 30 more uh, throws for week 17, there isn't 50, 60 targets to, to separate. You're, you're talking about. Well, how many did McKenzie, you got McKenzie, you have Singletary, Brown and Beasley. What are their four totals? No, and then so Quinn, Brown and Beasley, they, Beasley, we got to remember regular season, like he was barely even part of. Okay. That's okay. The discussion. And same with Brown. So you, you take out Singletary, that's 52 uh, okay. targets. And then Mc, uh, McKenzie was 65. So that's okay. Uh, 52 and 65. That's a uh, 117. So okay. I think that could be Deontay. And you're already factoring a Shakir getting 30 um, from those numbers. So you're talking about, that's probably accurate. I, I don't know if he'll get many more than that. We'll see. Um, but you're talking about 117, and then Quentin Morris had targets. Um, so you're factoring in and Quentin Morris had 11 targets the whole season. That's okay. That's still 11 targets well, you can put well, in. The what, pot. I, what, I, what I'm saying though is, at the end of the day, all talk about Khalil Shakir, Trent Sherfield. It's not. Are you going to be uh, a prominent player in this offense? You, neither of them are going to come into this uh, this offense and be highly productive from a statistical standpoint unless there's injuries to the people ahead of them. Like, and obviously that's a possibility. But when you're looking at us, this was the whole point I was talking about Hopkins too. Even if they brought in Hopkins, like Hopkins wasn't going to be a 100-catch guy, a 90-catch guy. He was going to be a 65-catch guy uh, on this Bills team. 
the, the, the way they have it all set up, they don't have a million footballs to go around right now. It, 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 there's just not enough attempts. And if anything, the Bills will hopefully try to, to stay where they are passing attempts, maybe even go down. There were some games where they threw a crazy amount of times that was kind of unnecessary. I know the Bills are a pass-first team, but you want to be playing from ahead and ideally running the ball in the second half, keep the, the clock going if you can get out to – to big leads or whatnot. So I guess my big thing is I like the the signing of Trent Sherfield. I, I like what he can do from a run blocking uh, perspective. I, I think he provides quality depth and he will be a solid special teamer, but I don't think he was brought in to be a, a 40 catch guy uh, on this team, uh, especially when you're talking about a guy that has around 65, 66 catches for his career. This is going to be an offense that already has its main guys. And when you're talking about Dalton Kincaid being basically probably the third target and being the slot guy, and then you you factor in Knox, I, I just don't know how a wide receiver four or a wide receiver five is going to end up having much of a, a role uh, on this team. Also, make sure you check out our new, brand new Cover One store. We've been asked many times over the years uh, about it. So get out there and check it out. I just retweeted it from Cover One, Cover One-Sports.MyShopify.com. Uh, 10% off at checkout right now. So make sure you check out some of our merch. Great stuff from Adidas uh, and other um, other champion, uh, whatever it is that you like, that we have many different designs that were finally uh, overhauled. You know, if you like hats, tanks, sweaters, uh, we got it all there. So make sure you check that out uh, from the Cover One shop. Really cool looking stuff. Um, smash that like button while you're at it. If you are interested in this at all discussion about targets. Um, but what's interesting, Mike, is that there's still, you know, 40 targets in the next game that they didn't have because of week 17. Singletary's targets, I don't believe, are all just going to go to James Cook and Damian Harris. Uh, they don't, Damian Harris doesn't really. So he's either going to go a big part to Naeem Hines if you feel that he, and it's not going to go to Latavius Murray. So a big part to Naeem Hines if you think he's taking a big chunk. And that would, if Naeem Hines does take a big role, that would, you would start to be correct. That would eat into uh, the additional players, but yeah, I, I believe those him, like, yeah, the T play a role. Like one thing that I don't know that he that, makes the team personally. Well, this is what we got to, we got to ask ourselves when it comes to Naeem Hines, why yeah. didn't they include him in the offense last year when they traded for him? And one of the things Hines has said this off season was that the bills playbook was very difficult for him to pick up on in short no- notice. And that, he wasn't necessarily at a point where he could run a lot of the stuff the Bills would have wanted them to do. So if it's if that was the case, well, that would maybe make you think that there will be a bigger role for him this year after having an entire offseason. Obviously, he's not going to be a guy that's going to get the ball on the ground, but we are talking about a running back that's had over 60 receptions a few times in his NFL career. If they use him in the passing game, then you really got to wonder – how the ball is going to get spread out later. And I like what Spin said. If you have 120 targets between Sherfield, Hardy, and Shakir, who really cares how it's, how it's separated? I guess right. is my thing. I, I like, I, I guess the big thing that would differentiate, differentiate what I'm saying compared to some other people is I'm a lot higher on Hardy than that's most. fine. So I would say I want him to get a good portion of that. And I don't expect him to be a 50 catch 700 yard guy, but I do think he could be a 30 to 40 catch guy uh, if healthy, get 500 
600 yards, depending on his role. Um, we'll, we'll see with Sherfield and, and Shakir. Uh, ultimately, is it going to make a huge difference either way? Probably not. Yeah. So I think that 120 is high. I don't know that that's so I'm, I'm sitting here saying, I think Sherfield's got targets. I don't even know that there's 120. That's only if you start to deviate some of those Singletary. So where's Kincaid snaps or his targets are going to come from, but that I do agree that a lot of what I was trying to get at before, unless you think it's going to be Hines, I think a lot of those 50 something uh, targets are going to go to um, into the slot, into a, into a helper situation, into in the flat situation uh, for Dalton Kincaid. So I think that that's where a lot of his targets are going to start to be into cooks will get an uptick. And I think a lot of those 50, 50 or so targets will go to Kincaid. Uh, that's really where I'm getting his targets from cook. will take a tick up and then Kincaid will take a, a, a plethora of those. Um, and then, you know, let's say, Here's the difference, Mike. I'm you're probably batting favorite that it won't be Sherfield. However, I'm nowhere near like the level you're at of certainty that it won't be. Like I think that you're more likely to be right, but I think that there is a, a decent shred of percentage that Sherfield could win that target battle of the one. Say it's one twenty. I don't know it's going to be that many. That's a lot. Um, there is a decent chance he can come away with with fifty of those. I don't think that that's far fetched for him to win that 50, 50 to sixty targets. It, it, he might not be. He might he might end up getting cut. Um, but I think that there is a a percentage that's fairly reasonable, not one, maybe in the twenties, that it could be him. Um, you know, factoring in he's been relatively healthy. He'll get a jersey on game day. There's a lot of factors to me that could make it be him. But you're he, right. He's a good like, player. He, yeah. He's a good player. I, I guess. And I'll, I'll, this will be the last thing I'll say, Kevin. I wouldn't be surprised if Sherfield makes the team and carves out a role. Like I said, I do think that Khalil Shakir and Sherfield will be battling for basically the last viable receiver spot on this team, meaning yeah. a guy that could make a minimal impact to maybe slightly more of an impact depending on injuries and uh, things with the depth chart. My, my, my rebuttal to this would be with Sherfield is – how often do you see someone in the NFL, especially uh, a six-year player, really carve out a breakout role? It's it's very rare in the NFL for guys beyond the third, fourth year to really become that guy. It, with Sherfield, yes, we're, we're excited because of his blocking, and that's probably the biggest contribution he'll make to this Bills team will be in his blocking uh, element. But for those excited about his 30 receptions for 417 yards and two touchdowns last year, I mean, we got to tone it down. That, that included a 75-yard touchdown. So really we're talking about 29 receptions for 350 yards in the other 16 games. That's, that's not a ton of production when we're, when we're talking about it. And then over the course of his career, 67 receptions for 844 yards in 78 games. We're talking about this is his fourth team. He spent three years in Arizona, one of which they made the playoffs. He spent a year in San Francisco where they made the playoffs. Uh, then goes to Miami where they make the playoffs. This isn't something where he's been on bad teams with bad talent evaluators. He's been on teams that have gone to the playoffs, and those coaches did not give him starting opportunities. So it's unlikely that suddenly at the age of 27, he comes to Buffalo and then carves out a, a, a larger role on a, probably the most talented roster that he's been on uh, during his career. Now, a weaker receiver room, I'll, I'll acknowledge, but he 
hasn't exactly torn it up in his career. It, it, I'm just saying, if, we, if we're killing guys like Isaiah McKenzie and, and Gabe Davis, it, it doesn't make sense to then suddenly – and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm saying there's some fans that have done this. It doesn't make sense to suddenly prop up uh, a guy like Trent Shearfield. You're kind of failing the expectations game, where if you start propping this person up, he's not going to go beyond your expectations. You're only going to get disappointed when he doesn't get there. So we, we got to be smarter than that. It, it's it, it, He can have a role. He can contribute. But let's not expect him to suddenly be even what Isaiah McKenzie was last year from a production standpoint. I think what's interesting about the Sherfield um, debate is that he didn't, he, he didn't really, he had more still snaps last year, uh, the same amount of snaps last year that he did in the first four years combined. And I think you saw some of the things pop uh, for him in terms of his run blocking ability, uh, his ability uh, after the catch, his ability to play inside outside. So I think that there is many things that people like about him, but at the end of the day, it's like anything else. Like, I don't know, for me, I, I think that he's going to be more useful in the offense than you do. But I also, if Sherfield barely played and it was Shakir, would I be shocked or upset? Absolutely not. I would be interested in that scenario. If it's shorter for some reason, sure, great. Um, I don't think, like, I'm not guaranteeing it or nor do yeah. I think that he needs to be playing. But I think I am, I'm, I'm a little higher based on some of his splits uh, than, say, you are just because – uh, he generally is a, a player who does a lot of everything and it will get him a Jersey. And this, and the best way to get the things we're talking about here is to get a Jersey first. Like it, that's number one. And so with him having a Jersey will then earn him extra reps. I think he's got a leg up and I think Hardy's going to be used in a role that he's going to have a carved role out anyways, regardless. I don't see a scenario where it's only Hardy uh, in these roles. Uh, like you, like, like, like you said, unless there's an injury somewhere, but I like to think he's going to have a role carved out for him regardless of, of the scenario. Yeah. And, and that's definitely entirely possible. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that Sherfield can't contribute if given the opportunity, if, if he gets that, that fourth receiver role on this team, he could get 15, 20 catches. I guess I'm just not expecting him to, to replicate what he did last year. I could be completely wrong on that. I, I just, I believe that you look at what Hardy was paid, what he has done in the past as a younger player, explosive, and, and some of the things he can do. I think Hardy is the newcomer that's going to get a prominent role. I think Kincaid is going to get uh, added, added receptions. At the end of the day, uh, I hope Sherfield or Khalil Shakir can, can both have a chance at, at making contributions. Uh, I still want to believe that Khalil Shakir – has some untapped potential. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a 60, 70 catch guy, but we have to remember what the bills were doing in the playoffs last year. After not using Khalil Shakir in the regular season much, they utilized him in Miami. Now he had the one drop on the, the long pass from Allen, but if he catches that hauls it in, we might be talking a little bit about Khalil Shakir right now compared to what the narrative is right now. So we a lot of this we'll just have to see what goes on and this is why training camp is nice because you actually get a look into what's going on at practice but we'll just have to see how it plays out and that's definitely something i'm going to be looking for uh when when i am at training camp next week it's going to definitely be a really good scenario on this slot so i think it's it's just good like you said there's a lot of for sure on the roster there is for the most part will will vaughn play that's a question well when will he play 
Uh, I err I on the side of team needs to win games, earn this one seed if they can play him as soon as he's cleared. I, I don't believe in, you know, if there's a mental hurdle or he's not ready, like Trey was, that's completely fine. But in terms of that, I think he's used to this. He's had injuries happen before he's targeting week one, whether it's week two to six, fine. Um, but I don't think it's one of those things where you guarantee he sits out to week 10. That's not like the mindset I'm in with Vaughn, but outside of Vaughn, most of the defense is set for the majority beside the one linebacker spot heads up to Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams. Will it be uh, Dodson Klein? Uh, Spectre even what's going to happen at the one spot. Uh, I don't, from what I've heard, I don't see much of a corner battle anywhere at the time with Trey, uh, Taron Johnson and Kyra at the moment. Um, we'll see if Dane Jackson uh, can, uh, can, or Cam Dantzler can factor in that at all. And then safety's obviously sat with your two safeties, Matt Milano, the D line's kind of set interior wise. So most of that set on defense, most of offensive set, we talked about right guard. I think Connor McGovern's pretty much given left guard. I don't think there's much of a battle there. Could be wrong. Um, but outside of that, I don't know that there's much beside the slot position. So you got right guard, the slot, and then the linebacker spot. And then if when if and when Vaughn comes back. Outside of those few scenarios, and that's not really even a thing to monitor, really, like a battle. So you really only have three battles to watch. And this is this is the biggest one in, in terms of like what's most important to this roster. Right guard, you could argue right guard. Uh, but this one is a big one. And I don't believe whoever fills in for middle linebacker is – I think that they'll take over and, and, and it'll be a good transition with as strong as that defense is. And if not, there's a guy right there to swap out. So the linebacker, I'm not overly focused on and more interested in, but slot is the true position that I think um, could be like pivotal to this offense and an upgrade potentially with all the guys are talking about an upgrade. This offense who finished DVOA number two could be an upgrade in general across the board at many spots between health, the repair at offensive line, the running situation, the tight end situation, and then in factoring into the slot. There's definitely upgrades across the board on the offensive side of the ball. I believe the de- defensive line's a big upgrade, some some good depth pieces in the secondary that they didn't have last year. Um, so to me, the most interesting thing still, though, with all that being said, is the slot role breaking down. So that's why to me, I don't know that Shurfield's going to win those, those, those target counts, um, but I think there's a path to it. And if it is, I wouldn't be totally shocked because of the things he does when he's not getting targets. That's why he might be on the field, thus getting him targets. So that's kind of my mindset of why you want him on the field, even in, in plays where it's not going to go to him. And that might equal him to take start eating into those that 120 a little bit uh, in target share because he he's going to be a, a good blocker in the slot block for Josh Allen, you know, he's going to block for his, you know, in, in different RPO situations, there's definitely a huge advantage to having him in the game and that might get him in the game. So that's kind of where I, where I go with, um, you can't just have him in the game if a running plays in, 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 in 12 personnel or whatever personnel you might be running uh, 11 personnel. Um, so I think that you're more going to see if, if you put them in in 12 personnel, you know, they're going to be running most likely, I think. So in, in, in a mindset, like you're going to need to get him past snaps. And that's why I think that's ultimately to sum it all up. Why I think that Trent Shurfield, um, uh, and, will, and Kevin, will well, I agree. I mean, I have no issue if he gets wide receiver four. I, I have no issue if he gets it. And if you want to call him wide receiver three and make Deontay Hardy wide receiver four, a where Hardy has the gadget role and Shurfield is, is coming in to block. No worries either way. I, I'm totally content with that. Uh, I have no problems from that uh, perspective at all. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out. Because yes, I do yes. think 
Khalil Shakir is part of this conversation. I, I, I do think he's kind of become a little bit of the forgotten wide receiver in the room. Uh, he went from last year being a fifth-round pick that we were all high on to uh, showing some flashes to now he's kind of being undervalued. And let's see how he does in his second camp with the Bills. Uh, if Khalil Shakir flashes, that could change a lot of how, how we look at things. So I, I do think yeah. regardless of how it plays out with the receiver room, it's going to be okay. Uh, I know uh, according to some of the people like, Clay and other people looking at the receiver room, they'll say it's one of the weaker rooms in the league uh, outside of outside of Stefan Diggs. I don't 100% agree with that. I think on paper they look like a weak room, but I do think there's a lot of potential, um, especially with the guys on the lower end. Uh, and I do think that even, like I said earlier, Gabe Davis is being undervalued a little bit at this current point. So it, I will add this, though. Even if the Bills' offense is upgraded from a roster and talent perspective, it's not a guarantee they're going to do better in terms of production on the field. We got to remember they averaged 28 and a half points last year uh, per game, second in the NFL. They had one of the best yards per drive. They scored on, on about 45% of their drives last year. The real areas where the Bills offense killed themselves was they were not good in the red zone. They were middle of the pack in the red zone and they struggled with, with turnovers. Uh, so the, I guess if you're looking at it from, a metric standpoint, how do the Bills get better this year? Well, reduce your turnovers and become more efficient in the red zone. That's how you would go from 28 and a half points a game to 30 plus points a game. But it's hard to do that in the NFL, especially when other teams are adjusting to what you've done the year before, while also having as productive numbers with the yards per play, the yards per drive, and all those uh, advanced numbers. If the Bills' yards per drive and yards per play go down, it's not they're still not going to score 30-plus points a game even if they improve uh, in the red zone, even if they reduce their turnovers. So um, you look at NFL offenses through the years, it's really hard to get past that 30 points per game threshold. So uh, even the teams like Kansas City, you don't really uh, see that, So, or at least often. So I do think we're seeing a, an upgraded team. Hopefully, when push comes to shove, that means they capitalize in the big moments against the big teams, the big opponents when they need to. Uh, but overall, I do expect them to be around the same uh, points per game this year uh, overall. And I, I just do want to address one quick thing about the defense because I know uh, you probably have to wrap uh, wrap this up soon. The middle linebacker position is going to be fascinating to me because yeah. fans have been against Tyrell Dotson. Fans don't want him to get the job. Uh, because he really hasn't stepped to a high level when Tremaine Edmonds was out of the game. If Terrell Bernard or Balen Spector somehow win that job, that is going to be the greatest unknown in question mark on this team heading into week one. Because you look at this Bills defense, they're elite in all aspects. They have a very good defensive line when healthy. They have a, an incredible secondary. But that's your one that's your one point on the defense where you don't know what they're going to do. And is that going to be enough of a hole to where it could potentially hold back the defense? I don't think so, Kevin. I think the rest of the guys around them are good enough to carry this defense, regardless of what happens at middle linebacker. My only really other two questions I have for this defense is when does, when does time and age start to play a role? When do some of these veterans 
start regressing. Um, it is inevitable that, that at some point Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Von Miller, uh, and guys like that are not going to be playing at an all-pro level or a top-10 level of their position at some point. Right. Do we still have another year of elite production from them? And I know and – the, and then the last question I have is regarding quarterback two. I'm with you. I think it's Kyrie Elam's job. I know a lot of people in the media have been saying it's not over yet. It's a competition. I don't believe it's a competition from what I've been told from people that know players on the team. They tell me Kyrie is is ready to step up and that the coaches are challenging him. They want him to be the guy. But if he struggles in training camp, is there a path for Dane Jackson or Christian Benford to line up across from Trey White? I don't think so, but I wouldn't rule it out completely. There we go. So there you have it. So we'll be back at you next week uh, with a lot more training camp nuggets. We're going to save a little bit of middle linebacker corner too. Uh, we'll you know kind of expand more on what we're seeing. Will there be any injury news to come in? Let's players check in next Tuesday. Uh, we'll have to you know bring you that and more. Uh, lastly, I did want to take a quick second to shout out uh, the Cover One Meetup, July 28th at 6 p.m. at Valley uh, on Allen, 28th at 6 p.m. Uh, I believe most of the Cover One guys uh, will be there. Love to chat with you, talk talk ball, uh, and talk after some training camp. So make sure you get out there and you, uh, if you're in the area, you check it out and you see some of the Cover One guys for some fun. Um, please smash the like button as well. Check out our new merch store. But we'll be right back at you next week at 7 o'clock to go over this and more as training camp is finally here the next time we talk. The next day will be open practice right in the morning. Uh, so we'll be here talk about check-ins and more uh, next week as we kind of count down to training camp begins. And we'll be bringing you everything that we have in store next week. So make sure you tune in Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And uh, looking forward to kicking this year off as this excitement begins. But Kevin, Mike, we'll be back at you next Tuesday at 7. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. Reimagine this holiday season with more capability and more adventure in Kia's EverReady lineup. This winter, gift yourself what you really want during Kia's Season of Giving Back sales event. Kia is offering great deals on the capable Sorento and the spacious Sportage, and deals on even more vehicles like the all-electric EV6 and the fun-to-drive Forte. So visit your local Kia dealer and explore all your newfound possibilities by enjoying Kia's Season of Giving Back. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event ends one 224